I am 18 episodes in and I'm hooked, exclamation mark. I'm starting yoga teacher training in June 2020 and this is really gearing me up for it. Love it, exclamation mark. Thank you so much for your review. That was yesterday. And I've just noticed this podcast is now number two in Ireland in alternative health. Ooh, that's pretty cool. I mean, no, it's not about the numbers though, is it? It's about the connections with the peeps. But um, the numbers is, is a nice little bonus. Thank you everyone for leaving really lovely reviews and it's encouraging to see that this podcast is well received and it's maybe helping you or at least entertaining you. And I, it means a lot to me because I don't know where you are right now. Maybe you're in your car or you might be in bed or you might be just chilling on the couch. But uh, I'm sitting in my studio looking at a blank wall and uh, speaking into this microphone. So it's nice to know that there's someone on the other end <laughs> listening. Okay, this podcast, as well as being helped by you for, for listening, is also helped by the nature of things. Now, did I just slip that one in there? The old sponsor read. Sp who are they? Well, I'll tell you now. The nature of things are... I'm going to say the the Ferrari of essential oils. They're very good. Um, I went down there, and I don't I don't take sponsors unless or work with sponsors unless I know the person who behind the company. I've been to see them, and I um, I've bought their produce before. So the nature of things are based in the chocolate factory in Dublin, in Ireland, and uh, I met their founder Benoit Nicole with my Mrs. Rach about ooh, four months ago. And I was blown away by their process, how carefully they craft their oils and the quality they do it to. Also, their marketing is spot on. It's really tastefully done. And uh, I'm proud to be associated with them. They are offering a bit of a discount, 10% off all their products if you use the promo code YOGALIFE. No the, just Yoga Life, And you get your 10% off. This podcast is also supported by small changes they are a shop that i use regularly to buy my organic produce i'm being a bit naughty lately because it's coming to christmas season so i've been snacking a bit but still trying to eat well and uh, i do think that eating organic is important because the quality of the soil you know soil is life and uh, we are life so eat life yeah um that wasn't a very good slogan was it okay it's all i could think of but yeah, check out the small change or the small changes, and they're based in Drumcondra, and maybe go down to Kilmainham and get a coffee from the new coffee shop. Today, this week, my guest is Sylvia Ferguson. Sylvia is an OG in the yoga world. That means original gangster. She's not literally a gangster, because um, that's legal, I think. She is a um, seasoned vet. She's been teaching at the teacher training in yoga hub pretty much since it began four or five years and uh, she's someone i look to for guidance this is the first time i actually got a chance to sit down with her and sylvia's one of these people where she's a she's a, she's a, has a yogi spirit so when you sit in front of her she really looks at you and she really gives you a full attention which is nice in this day and age and she does i mean although she has um 
been doing teaching for a while. She's also up with the kids when it comes to um, how she shares her yoga. So she does online classes on her website, and you can you can buy an online class with her, which is such a brilliant idea. I, that really inspires me. It's like you don't have to wait for these big platforms, um, mention no names, but to to hire you. You can do your own thing. Get a video camera, get a mic, put it up on your website, and if people like it, they'll exchange money for it. So yeah, this is a great conversation with Sylvia. I'm 100% going to ask her on again in 2020 because um, she's just brilliant. So that's all there is to be said about that. If you enjoy this episode, please leave a review, please, because uh, that's good for the old rankings. And if you like to share it with a friend, that would be fantastic. Um, I've got one workshop left this year, and that's in two days, which is Saturday, the 14th of December in Sligo. I just booked my train to go down there now. And, uh, yeah, three hours to get down to Sligo, which ain't too bad. Um, oh, my salt lamp is leaking. Damn it. i got a Himalayan salt lamp, and it's leaking. Oh, well. I'll try and figure it out. All right, anyway, that's uh, my intro. And uh, here's the conversation with Sylvia. Enjoy. Um, hey, Sylvia. Hey, <laughs> How are you? I'm wonderful, thank You're you. Wonderful. Very happy to be here. It's a beautiful morning. I have a little glimpse of the sky there, so that's always nice. Yeah, and also we've got Alfie here, so hopefully he doesn't bark. Oh. I'm, sh- I'm sure he'll be all right. I don't mind. He looks pretty sleepy. Um, how are you keeping? Yeah, top form, thank yeah. you. I've never actually spent any time with you and getting to know you. I'm going to put this a bit closer to your face. If you want to slide yourself forward just a tad more. Um, yeah, I've never really... Um, spent any time with you i've only met you and spoke to you through the uh teacher training um and uh how, how long have you done that for because i've only just started in mm-hmm. the teacher training world how long have you been doing that for i am gonna guess this one i think four years now mm. yeah maybe longer mm. yeah maybe longer how long has yoga Hub been doing teacher training maybe four to six years at this point yeah so we've put out quite a lot of teachers out there mm. and how do you find because to give you my experience, mm-hmm. every module, every time I go to teach, I never, I feel quite a lot of pressure, to be mm. honest, um, because I see these, um, the people, the trainees, as it's a big responsibility, not just the financial commitment that they've made, mm-hmm. but to spend a whole weekend with people and to, um, and I, I, it's really important to me that I do well mm-hmm. whereas now with like classes i still get a bit nervous teaching classes mm-hmm. but i have my my routine you mm-hmm. know and i can even if i'm feeling quite tired i can do an hour class you know because mm. I, I, I know what i'm doing but with the teacher training because it's new territory for me i feel very um i feel like six hours essentially yeah. that so to let people know the format in, in yoga Hub anyway is it's 12 to 6 on a saturday that's what i do and then with the co-lead she would do the next day the sunday and i'm now starting to to it to uh be able to enjoy it because i feel i know the the flow of the day you mm-hmm. know i know when the breaks are i know the format i've got my head together a little bit more but i still feel like um a lot of responsibility yeah <laughs> you know yeah. um but i think maybe that's quite important and i was saying to my to my girlfriend rach that like um you Often the things that are really important to you, you'll never feel like you're actually ready to sure. do them. Sure. <laughs> yeah, and maybe sure. if I feel like 
I, oh, I got it this weekend. I know everything I need to do. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm on top of it. Because not feeling ready um, gives me a kick up the arse sure. to be like, right, I, I want to prepare. to be on this. Exactly, yeah. on this. So yeah. what's been your um, your journey? <laughs> That's the word they use in, in yoga a lot in terms yeah. of teacher training and how it's changed for you. Yeah, I have to say it hasn't got easier, wouldn't you think? You know, a couple <laughs> of years into a career, you could say, oh, yeah, it's easy now. I stroll in. But I think you recognize more and more the responsibility, not just to the people in the room, but ultimately to what they're going to be teaching. You know, our influence goes long beyond the six hours in the room with them. Ultimately, what we're saying to them is, this is how I think a good yoga teacher should communicate and behave. And I'm passing that on to you to mm. go out into the world and pass on to other people. So there's a huge responsibility there, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and then with the changing world, mm. um, we have to stay on top of what's relevant, mm. what's current thought, where do we need to swing a little bit and pull back a little bit where is fluidity needed mm. and also as you said to stay on top of the uh, changing cultures mm -hmm. uh, because say for example the whole um like the next module for for this teach training is ethics of yoga teaching mm. and last week the bitcoin documentary was on tv sure. and this is something where i've realized as a teacher you're more effective if you prompt questions as opposed to give your opinion mm -hmm. so say for example i say well this is right and this is wrong in terms of ethics i don't think that's a wise way to to mm -hmm. encourage people to think for themselves mm -hmm. and instead what i've realized is just generally speaking and this could be like whether it's about ethics or about how to engage your hip flexors mm -hmm. to almost like teaching a way where you're constantly asking them to mm -hmm. teach themselves and, and encourage uh, mm -hmm. curiosity Mm. Um, have you have you found though that since you've been to start a teacher training, you've changed your method of of delivering it? Very much, yeah, very much. And just back to your previous point, I find as a teacher trainer that we learn an awful lot from the people who are in the room, because the people who are studying yoga teacher training, they're the ones who are out there soaking it all up. They're the ones who are going to all the classes and experiencing firsthand what's happening out there in the yoga world right now. So I love opening up conversations, you know, let's even go back to ethics, you know, talk about your experience, um, share that with the rest of the group. How did that make you feel that situation? What went wrong? You know, what can go wrong? How can we best serve our students? Mm. Um, yeah, I suppose what we need to do more and more of now, <coughs> excuse me, is invite kind of everything into the room, the good experience and the bad yeah and learn from that yeah and support each other in that space yeah and actually making it personal is so important because often if you're referencing other people other situations there's conjecture there you, you, you're mm. speculating a little bit mm -hmm. but when you it's talk true. and i've noticed that i have all, all my my plan my theory and what i'm teaching but as soon as i go off script mm. and i start telling a little story about what happened to me in class I can see people like leaning forward. Yeah. And they we like, love that, yeah. don't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As opposed, and I'm thinking, this is kind of on the curriculum, but yeah. it's not what I was planned to say. Sure. But th that, that, um, speaking personally, I think, um, 
you you do leave yourself a little bit vulnerable because you you take down that veil of I know what I'm doing all mm. the time. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, do you do you actually see that as a way that that's changing now? So, um, say for example, um, a yoga teacher who maybe be teaching for like 30, 40 years, and mm-hmm. they're not on social media. They don't do that. Mm-hmm. So you don't. It's a bit like movie stars back in the 1950s. <laughs> we knew nothing about Marlon Brando and his yeah. personal life. We didn't know there was no one like photographing him getting out of a taxi with. Uh-huh. Uh, a young harlot or whatever is that is that a, yeah, yeah. you know is that, all we knew is marlon brando is a god yeah, and yeah. he is you see him in the movies and this like mm. the cinema screen and that's all we know about him but now actors we know what what they eat for lunch and mm. stuff and w- with yoga teachers it's it feels to me uh, that once upon a time maybe it was like wow there's the yoga teacher um they must mm. eat clean all the time and you know be so disciplined but, n- but instead, these days, with Instagram and social media, people know that I've got a dog and mm-hmm. like that like, my life isn't that glamorous at all. And, uh, you know, yeah. and, 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 and maybe that's, I think that's affecting how we can communicate with students. So what, what do you think of my theory? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I agree with you. You know, I mean, don't we all love a bit of transparency and a bit of reality? Mm. And I think that your students do light up a little bit when they see that you are a flawed human just like them, Mm. you know. I think we're kind of past the, oh, the guru does everything right and arrives in, you know, cloaked in this air of mystery and silence. I think we want to be able to relate to our thought leaders now, don't Mm. we, a Mm. little bit more. But but then, then there is a thin line also between... I mean, not a thin line, but a way of um, communicating that it's okay to be um, not always have the right answer, but yet to still be professional or to mm. still, you know, because a bit of self-deprecation can be mm. nice. But if the person is, is going into a realm where they just seem like they're not confident, sure. you're like, well, I, I want to know someone who's in charge here. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. I think like, we look to someone generally who knows yeah. what they're doing. I agree completely. And I think for us as well as teachers, not just in the teacher training realm, but as yoga teachers, I think what saves us there is our commitment to our path. You know, that we have the discipline to come back to the yoga mat again and again and again. And not necessarily saying, oh, all yoga teachers have to have a daily practice. But I think most of us revert to that mm. daily practice in whatever form it comes maybe just 10 minute meditation or your mindful walking the dog but i think we walk the path even though we fall off the path you know mm-hmm. and we're not perfect mm. but we do come back mm-hmm. and that's kind of the difference isn't it mm, like yeah. that's kind of the authenticity that we bring into the room is you know i i actually do this i'm i'm committed i'm not a perfect yogi but I am committed to this path because mm. it serves me well and I love it. Yeah, it. as you said, it, it your practice could take different forms, mm-hmm. and but it's, it, I think it's communicating to people that it's really helped you. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is the, the key thing that, mm. um, I was so self-conscious when I first started doing yoga because I couldn't like sit cross-legged at all. Mm. Like couldn't really sit on the floor in any, really, yeah. in any yeah. way. I uh, couldn't kneel down. I, 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 had, I did like two yeah. bolsters. And this is, yeah. I thought, how can I teach yoga if I need two bolsters to sit on the floor? I don't, yeah. f- 
you know, and I see these other people slitting in Lotus and I think I'm not, I'm, I can't do this for a living. Um, but my, well, I don't want to point this. My, <laughs> my point is that um, my, I, I realized what my strengths were then. You know, yeah. I thought, okay, I can't do that, but what else can I do? Yeah. And, and I can't um, speak, I don't normally speak about the chakras, for example, mm. but I, I love talking about the anatomy of the body. Mm. So that, <laughs> so that, therefore, that can be my strength. I mean, yeah. I've had people say to me, man, I've learned so much in your class about the anatomy because... Um, you pop it in here and there. Because I, lo yeah. I love it, you know, and that's yeah. as opposed to trying to force myself into being what I thought sure was. and i think part of that is letting go of ego isn't it you know because as yoga teachers we love being good at our fancy yoga poses um and do we feel somehow i know i certainly felt this an obligation to be the best person in the room at yoga which of course doesn't always happen mm -hmm. you know i mean i don't have a perfect handstand um, does that mean I'm never going to teach handstands because I'm not going to be the best person in the room handstanding? No, mm. you know, I, I, I can teach handstand now and say, hey, I don't have a great handstand. Let's go on this journey together. You know, that's so. a, that's a really important point. Actually, and I want to develop that with mm -hmm. you because I've heard people say that if you can't do a pose, you shouldn't yeah, teach it. That's right. But to me, yeah. that, that doesn't make oh, good. Yeah. sense. Yeah, sure. L like, um, how would you then, how would you... Say, for example, you're teaching a handstand mm -hmm. and there's people in the room that could do it uh, more efficiently than you can. Mm -hmm. How would you deliver that then? Would you say, like, look at these people? That yeah, can sometimes, you, you know, sometimes. Uh, it, first, I very <laughs> rarely teach handstand. <laughs> so this doesn't happen much. Uh, it would probably be more in the teacher training environment or maybe yoga hub workshop environment mm. that I would teach handstand, not necessarily in my one hour weekly class. So in that environment, I love, I love a bit of messiness. I love when the room is kind of like a toddler room at Montessori, <laughs> you know. And that gives some people then the freedom to sit it out and observe, you know. The people who are like, no, I'm never going to do a handstand. I'm just going to sit and watch because usually people are pretty tired by that stage as well. And then the ones who are very confident and expressive can go and do their thing and sometimes I might be like, whoa, watch. But, you know, not not always. Mm. I don't know. I, I don't have a strict rule on that. I, When I was studying Anusara Yoga, which was very focused on accomplishment of, of challenging yoga poses, you know, we were actively taught back then to do the whole, oh, stop, clap, round of applause. You're all amazing. Mm, that was wow. actually, yeah, yeah. Hmm. That was actually a taught element of the class whereas now i love when that happens spontaneously but i don't seek it out mm. so if it happens that one person ends up accomplishing something they didn't before and people spontaneously clap mm. wonderful but imagine mm -hmm, it was actually <coughs> considered an essential part of the class that that would be a feature that you'd applaud the person yeah congratulate. yeah that, that's interesting because when I first started teaching, I, I haven't been teaching nearly as long as you have, but um, when I first started, I would uh, feel like, right, I'm in control. Uh, when I come in the room, everyone has to be quiet. Yeah. And because I was so like... I'm the uh, boss. I'm yeah. the boss. Because I was so... Um, basically, that's insecurity coming out to be like, if someone is talking and I'm talking, I, I'm 
like I, I, I'm, I feel like they're not respecting me. Yeah. And, and and then so when it came to inversions or, and maybe a peak pose in a class, I would have it be like right, well, this is the way it's done. We're all doing it this way, mm-hmm. and then let's move on. So everything was kind of very I structured. Structured, mm. yeah. Whereas now, what I'll do is I'll say, oh, you know, grab your mat, use the wall if you want to, yeah. and like, and then people start talking. Whereas before. When people would talk to each other in a class, I'd get very uncomfortable with that to be like, oh, yeah. you're, you're talking and maybe you're disturbing other people. And sure. Whereas yeah. I, now I'm, I'm kind of learning to be a bit more, as you said, kind yeah. of, uh, like a, let it be like a, it was a kindergarten or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Montessori. <laughs> because, um, and actually, I want to ask you about that, about talking in class. Mm. This is an interesting one because some studios I teach at, or some, not even studios, but some um, environments I teach at, you walk in and everyone's completely quiet yeah. and that's the way people run it <coughs> and some everyone is talking when i went mm. to london to do yoga i walk in and it's like you're going into a house party without yeah. them, you know interesting w- yeah w- what's your thoughts on that uh, it's a good question because i'm kind of in that space at the moment um with the decision i'm making about one particular venue i teach in and i like you would always have preferred the vibe of the yoga space is a little sacred um, and let's try and be a bit more silent and, and respectful of people who need a bit of quiet time on their mats before the class begins. However, increasingly, I'm seeing the value of the yoga space as uh, a part of our community where we can encourage community, mm. which is lacking, you know. Yeah. So <coughs> now a, a big emphasis on the vibe that I create in the yoga space is let's be a bit nice to each other and have a bit of a laugh and make eye contact and chit chat a little bit. Mm. So the particular class I'm thinking about the vibe now, when you walk into the room, there's, yeah, it's like walking into a party a little bit. And in the room, I do see people who are lying down on their mats and maybe doing a little bit of relaxed abdominal breathing, but I think they're cool with that. Mm. You know, again, I suppose it's a very inclusive environment where, you know, if you want to be a bit quiet, come in and sit down quietly or lie down and start your breathing. If you're fancy a bit of chat, well, there's a little bit of banter going on there in the the corner. You can join in there. I like that. I like where this is. I like I just thought of something that we as you're saying that it's a bit like you you have people in Shavasana and Mm -hmm. an alarm goes off or Mm -hmm. someone's beeping their car outside. Do you, like, are you the kind of person to be like, oh, my shavasana's yeah. ruined now. <laughs> yeah, like, my day is ruined. Or, yeah. or can you, like, you know, the teacher will say, meditate on the sound of the sure. of the alarm beeping. Yeah, yeah. To, to be like that. Sure. Because that, and, and I think that's actually a brilliant point you've brought up because you can say to people, look, come in and have your moment to do your breathing and meditation, whatever you want to do. But if other people are making noise, um, they're not doing it, they're never going to be doing it in a, like with bad intentions they're doing it because they want to socialize they're happy often people be laughing so like can you one can you actually focus on your breath and use this as if you want Mm -hmm. as a test if you're that so way inclined or can you meditate or be happy that people are being social and have that sure almost like your music yeah absolutely (laughs) because because i think that i am as i mentioned to you downstairs I was so resistant to doing yoga at the start because I mm-hmm. felt like it was like mass. And, mm-hmm. uh, and and I think, I actually think religion is a very, uh, not religion, but 
I think like yeah, maybe religion. No, I think religion can be very useful and, and very mm-hmm. help people a lot for community. Community. Mm-hmm. But what I'm talking about is the authority mm. and to be like, oh, this is it now. Yes. It has to be this way. Sit down, kneel up, stand. Um, yeah. And I, I want to. I'd like to kind of move away from that. And I think what yeah. you said there is. Yeah. Um, Although I think still people really value um, an authority and a presence in the yoga space. You know, even if our vibe is, oh, let it be for a while, you know, let the chatter happen, let it be a bit messy. But um, I I, I think they're comfortable in that space because they know or they trust you as their teacher or their leader, you know, at the right time, Mm -hmm. the teacher is going to say, Okay, everyone, you know, mm, mm, mm. like there's still that element that there will be structure coming. Mm. It's, it's how you deliver it, isn't it? If, mm. if you come across as the um, like non-negotiable, this sure. is the way it is. And, you, you, and also, I think if you use la- the language you use and how you use it, like if you're like me and you, yes. and, as opposed to we, we stuff like yeah, this, is, true. Is, yeah. it can make a, a big difference. And um and that whole area is really interesting. That's actually what I really like about teacher training is, is that we I did a, a module last last uh, two weeks ago, and it was about c- communicating in in the yoga know, class. Mm. And I find this fascinating, like mm. what words you use, how it can make people feel, mm-hmm. um, and how words are so powerful. Mm-hmm. And even saying things like you know. Um, you know when we put our knee on the floor sometimes it can kind of hurt, can't it? Mm. So you can put a blanket underneath as opposed to you know, uh, well, I put my knee down, but if you need a blanket, you take a blanket. Like, yeah, like yeah. that. Oh, and it no. sounds so minor, but you're being considerate if you're mm-hmm. of the person, of their experience, if you can use language like, like we. Sure. Um, so much more inclusive, isn't it? And, and that's, and it's more inclusive. And also that is a huge, um, that's what, that's the, the beauty of teaching and teacher training mm. is that these little things that um you can't really share with anyone else you get to share with people mm-hmm. who want to be yoga teachers or um and it's almost like you can nerd out with <laughs> yeah. these people yeah you know um i want to one actually part of my yoga teaching that i want to develop more is is a mindfulness practice and this mm-hmm. is actually p- part of the reason um i was so interested to talk to you because um you are well, what, firstly, what is the acronym? MBSR. MBSR. What is Short it, what for is Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. Okay. Is that a course? It is a course. So, will I tell you a little bit of background? Please. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, this course, the MBSR course, was developed out of a university, the University of Massachusetts by an incredible teacher, John Kabat-Zinn, I'm guessing 20 years ago. And now it's being taught all over the world. And a couple of other universities in the world have kind of picked up the Masters in Mindfulness, which teaches teachers to teach this MBSR course. Mm -hmm. So as a participant, if you're doing the MBSR course, it's eight weeks in duration. Your practice is two and a half hours once a week with a teacher. And you're expected to do homework daily. So it is quite a big commitment. Mm. I have just completed my first MBSR course. I went into it thinking, I know all this stuff. I've been meditating for years. <laughs> and wow, am I completely mind blown by it. 
Yeah. yeah. What, what, what's been like the main discoveries for you? Um, I suppose, yeah, it's so hard to articulate, isn't it? I, I think I touched on meditation and mindfulness a thousand times before. Scratched at the surface and loved it. Loved what I was experiencing. In this course, I just went a lot deeper into awareness. Mm. Inner awareness. Mm -hmm. Deeper inside to the silence and the noise and the scary stuff and the emotions and the physical effects of the emotions mm -hmm. and the curious journey into all of that. Mm -hmm. So loved it. And what's the chap's name? Uh, John Kabat-Zinn is the original guy. John. But you know, it's influencing what okay. a lot of the thought leaders now are saying and doing. So Tara Barak would be kind of the person out there now who's really kind of preaching that same message oh, yeah. in a very uh, accessible way yeah, yeah so yeah. everything tara is saying and doing is reflective of this mm. she's and is she more like um she does more stuff online like videos and i've seen videos of her yeah i'm listening to her podcasts yeah mm. yeah mm. yeah so she what, what she is emphasizing for us is and, and this was the big shift for me so i suppose up to a point mindfulness meditation yoga all of that for me was kind of like a time out from my busy, noisy life. So I would come to the, my yoga mat and I would switch off, connect with my breath, smell the nice incense, listen to the nice music. It was escaping in a very pleasant way. Yeah. And that's very valuable, isn't it? Like w for so many people, that's the gold, yeah. right? Just lower the stress levels, <coughs> you know, quieten everything down. So definitely value and merit to that. However, I didn't realize this, but there is action required. It's not just, oh, chill out and relax and listen to your breath. It is, no, like look inside what's going on, you know. It's like the Rumi poem, you know, sit with the, the dark thought, the shame, the malice. Mm. That's the tricky bit. Mm. That's where the, the inquiry comes in. Mm. And of course, most of us are like, ah, with all that stuff, mm. you know. So it's just interesting to know that meditation can be escapism. It can be, you know, Tara calls it a trance, that we kind of trance ourselves. The breath, the breath, the breath, the breath. Don't think about any other shit. The breath, the breath, <laughs> the breath. Whereas can you sit in your house and let the, you know, what does sadness feel like? You know, what does regret feel like? What does shame feel like? That's the stuff that's hard. You were saying that you don't have a TV. We have a TV at home, so oh, I have a, I have, have kids. Yeah, you don't watch TV. I don't watch a lot of TV. No, no, I enjoy the odd bit as a break, but uh, because that is escapism. Sure. Definitely. And um, sure. I, I went when I first moved in here. I didn't have a TV. I, I have a TV now, but I never watch it. I never mm. When I first moved in here, I went through a little period of. I'd come in, sit down on my couch, turn the lights off, and just stare out the window. Yeah. Um, and I would just try to feel what I was feeling, you mm. know. Um, and yeah, a lot of a lot of time it was sadness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Weird, isn't it? Is that the one we bury the deepest? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I think because I regard myself as a very happy-go-lucky person. Uh huh. Um, but. When you know, maybe that we're made to 
think that sadness is, is weakness and mm. tears are weakness, you know. Mm. Um, Especially for a man. But also, you know, sadness is, it's unpleasant, isn't it? Are we afraid that if we indulge sadness, that we'll just fall into the depths of sadness? Is that what we're afraid of? That like, mm-hmm. it's going to be just so sad, we'll never <laughs> climb back out. Yeah. You know? But when you when you have a cry, you feel much better, don't sure. you? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, you feel better, but socially you don't. Like, if you, it depends who sees you crying. Mm. You know, um, I cried about three weeks ago, it was on a Sunday, um, and it was, I won't say who, but it was in front of a member of my family, and it didn't make me feel good. Mm, that's no, pity. it didn't feel. Yeah. I felt. I felt like, because, especially with your family, you want you you. You maybe you don't see them that often. Mm. I'm, oh, sorry, okay. Me, I don't see them that often. Like once a week, which yeah. isn't that often, really. Sure, no. And normally really. it's in a yeah. little snippet where yeah, yeah, where we're talking rushed. about the dog or something, mm-hmm. um, or what we should paint the wall. <laughs> you know, what color, and. Um, then if they see like you say crying, for example, that's quite extreme, mm. you know, and it, it, it's maybe it gives the impression that you'll always feel like crying, whereas I very rarely do. Yeah. I, I'm very, very happy with my life. And I mean, um, I'm very excited about the future. But yet um, feeling uh, sad, as you said, it can feel, feel like you're going to, it's never going to end. Yeah, you know? overwhelming. Yeah. But, but, but it, whether it's like male or female, even mm-hmm. like um, I think in the work environments now, the way work is structured is it's you're rewarded if you're competitive, you're rewarded for your numbers, sure. for your can you dominate in terms of how popular can you be? <coughs> let's talk about let's be, be real here. Of course, a yoga business they want to know who's bringing the most people. Sure, are they popular? Are they re- and not only that, but are they repeat c- people that come in? Yeah. So this. And therefore, it's like quite a masculine trait to be like, okay, I'm going to go out there and I get it, and mm-hmm. you know, um, and I, 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 f- I feel, and what I've experienced before, is that women in the workplace or people who identify as women don't feel like they couldn't cry in front of their boss mm. or, 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 or or any or their colleagues because it's it's seen as a, mm. a weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually think that male or female crying mm. is kind of um, frowned upon. Mm. Um, I, I suppose the question is, how do we support our students in all of, like, how do we help people then with all of that? Yeah. You know, and managing those emotions. I've been teaching a lot more recently meditation in the workplace. Mm. And I'm finding that a really interesting space to be in. So um, typically when I'm teaching clients in the workplace, I either have a small group or I'm one-on-one. And the spec is very broad. It's, you know, mindfulness meditation. But in fact, what I'm teaching them is a little bit of chair yoga and teaching them how to, I suppose, reside in the space within where they're very aware of what's going on. But just a little bit of kind of boundaries, maybe like a little bit of poker face, you know, so Mm. that they can kind of own their presence like Tadasana. So you're kind of feeling connected in your physical body and that's all linking in with mindfulness as well, awareness of the earth beneath you and I'm grounded and I'm on my chair and my feet are on the floor. 
And then the emotion can go through you like I want to burst out crying or I want to tell my boss to fuck off or whatever it is that can swirl through you. But because you've cultivated your kind of breath awareness and your boundaries and your poker face to an extent, you can just own your moment a little more. Mm. So it's kind of more empowering people to connect with the emotion but maybe not necessarily be completely transparent in that moment. Yeah, Does that make sense? Yeah, that, yeah to, as, as you said, to, to own the emotion. Yeah. And to not be a victim of the emotion. Yeah, yeah. And in a way, like, there's almost a little bit of acting going on, isn't there? But that's important in the workplace. Like, we can't lose it everywhere we go. No different with your family or your loved ones. We'd like to think that you don't have to have that boundary in place there. Mm. But maybe you do. Yeah, maybe we do. I mean, yeah. I think... <coughs> that authenticity the last time we were authentic was when we were a baby pooing our pants yeah. and screaming for food mm. that was the last real time we were ever authentic mm. and Seth Godin said that uh, mm. ever since then we've been putting on clothes brushing our hair doing certain things to so that people feel a certain way about us mm-hmm. and that that's then that is otherwise we were going around you know, like acting sure. like kids, doing what we want, doing what yeah. we want, exactly. Yeah. And um, and in, in terms of the the workplace, um, and maybe family life as well, you, yeah, it's it's to recognise that you can have a spectrum of emotions in your mm. life, but to not be um, vulnerable, not vulnerable. What's the word? Um, susceptible to that affecting your actions all the time. Yeah, you know, God, yeah, th- yeah it's it's so good. It's okay to be sad, to be angry and stuff, but. It's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to be violent. Sure, you know, it's okay to yeah. be sad, but maybe it's not okay to cry. Yeah, if, yeah. If you're a do- if you're yeah. a doctor, for example, and you're giving someone bad news, you need to be their rock. Sure. So in, yeah. in that in that example, yeah. Um, so that is that's really interesting because I never thought of it like that. Mm. I always thought you know just express yourself in any way yeah. that you want. I think in in a class, say like teaching yoga, I do this meditation at the end of class. I did it last week. I got it from Max Strom, and it talks about being grateful for someone um, and imagine they're in front of you and this type of thing. Nice. And without fail, people will cry when nice. do it doing that. Yeah. And um, and I realised that um, that is it's important. I think as a as a yoga teacher to make people feel something, or, yeah, or to yeah. or to at least encourage that, or to give them a, a create an environment where that's uh, available to them. Um, and that could be crying. It mm. could be laughing. Mm-hmm. It could be something. It's great. To, it's great to like do a technical class where you're just letting people. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's all they need. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But to go to take it to the next level, mm-hmm. I think encouraging f- uh, feelings is 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 powerful. Sure. What do you think about humor then in class? Yeah, love a bit of humour. <laughs> but I think it has to be spontaneous, hasn't it? Yeah, you, c- you can't be like, get a joke book out. Uh, so, I know. Yeah, I know, that's so, spontaneous yeah. is key. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And n- nicer even when it's a collective humour, you know, that someone in the class is somehow involved in the humorous moment and that you're not like the stand-up just reciting jokes, mm. you know, that you're kind of reacting to what is presenting itself in the moment. Yeah, yeah, that's, it's funny, I was watching... Um, they believe it or not, you know Toastmasters. Mm-hmm. They have a Toastmasters World Championships. How interesting! And I was listening to the the world champion of Toastmasters. Wow! He's the cool. basic, He's the greatest public speaker in the world, technically speaking. Yeah. And um, 
This guy's a, a prodigy because he started public speaking. Uh, he joined Toastmasters in like, I think it was 1989, and he won it in 1990, the World Championships. Like he won it the next year, so he's a natural. But one point he made which was really interesting was he goes, do you want your speeches or do you want it to be funny? People say yes, but do you want what you say to be funny? Or uh, And people say yes, and he says no. What you want is for there to be humour uh, when it's not expected. Yes. When when something happens, particularly if it's like a di- dialogue, or for some some another source, not you, but someone else, yeah, okay, and you can um, notice that it, a bit of humour might help to relieve tension. Because yeah. I found that like, say there's tension in class, and um, you you trying to you trying to uh, feel like you're you're managing the room well, a little bit of a laughter can kind of make kind of a yeah, yeah. especially on a, especially on a teacher training. Sure. We need it, yeah. We need it. Everyone's serious in that space, and yeah. it's and it's a really. Uh, would you say um, it's a really emotionally charged environment? Yeah, for sure. Why, isn't it? why is that? Do you do you think? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I suppose multiple reasons. The participants in the room, I feel, in general, have a lot at stake. You know. People show up to teacher training usually having put a good bit of thought into it, mm. maybe saved up for a while, maybe skipped holidays or, you know, made sacrifices for it. Usually people showing up to teacher training are kind of at a a, a phase in their lives where, you know, they're succeeding, you know, things are, things are going well. They're in that kind of high achieving space. So... The pressure that they have on themselves for excellence is is there, mm. you know. And and we train ourselves to do that. You know, we show up for yoga, all of us, not even people doing teacher training, but we tend to bring our best selves to the yoga mat. You know, we tend to show up fully present and wanting to participate well and do our best, eager like little puppies, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> Uh, so I think that that is very compelling for people. You know, I'm doing this wonderful thing for myself called teacher training. I'm going to do it really, really well. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And that puts pressure on us, doesn't yes. it? You know, that the desire for perfection and excellence, which again is reflected very much in society now. Mm. We have yeah. to take every box. Yeah, so true. And and it's not only the, the pressure, but also the the physical how demanding it is physically i mean sit, mm. try and sit on the floor yeah. try and sit on a wooden floor for six hours i know without a, a back support yeah it's pretty difficult it's hard once your body starts hurting your lower back is hurting your legs knees whatever it's hips and you're not used to sitting on the floor that will that will affect your emotions yeah i i, I think sure um you know um and and pl- add on t- top of that, you're doing two practices a day, often yeah. ninety minutes each. Yeah, um, and it's a long period of time, isn't it? The twelve to six, mm-hmm. it's a long time to be in a very focused space. Mm-hmm. You find the same thing on yoga retreats, you know, because people are spending a lot of time with each other, day and night. There's more yoga than usual. It's just exhausting. Mm-hmm. To you be just in that space. Were you just in Hungary? I was just in Budapest, were, yeah. Were you uh, the, a guest or a teacher? No, I was the teacher. The teacher? Yeah, yeah. It was amazing. I loved <laughs> it. Yeah. Hungary is at Budapest, did you say? Budapest, yeah. yeah. Okay. Were you in Buda or Pest? We were in Buda. I'm, no, I'm proud Pest. that I, I Which know side? that. Which side? I don't know. <laughs> I just, I'm like, yeah. it's my I chance to show my out. knowledge. Yeah, <laughs> I only found that out while I was there. Yeah. yeah. And well, how long was that for? 
It was a really nice little snippet of time, actually. Friday evening to Sunday lunchtime. So it's very much mm. weekend focus. Now, a lot of the guests, including myself, went on the Thursday night. Okay. So we had the Friday to kind of chill and potter around Budapest. And then we meet Friday evening for opening practice. We have a meal together Friday night. These retreats are very um, social. Mm-hmm. In their focus, a very early morning, Saturday morning practice, long leisurely brunch, and then we went off and did the baths in Budapest together. So oh, that was a bit of fun. That. Oh, it's fun. So is that y- like all female? Type no, thing? no, it's all I mixed. Mix, and you yeah, yeah, tops? very casual. Yeah, 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 okay, okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And, and then is it a case of people come over and wash you, or do you just? Ch- no, no, everyone just does their own thing. There's loads of spaces to wander around and various pools that you can just loll around in. Outdoor. Uh, outdoor and indoor. I didn't visit the outdoor area, but there is a beautiful outdoor area there as well. I'd say it's amazing in summertime. Well, uh, I, w- I was when I was talking to someone about this yesterday. I um, when I was lived in Korea, we used to go to I think they call it Gojubang, or is that a karaoke? Anyway, um, but we used to go to these baths, and that was the main place where people socialize. Cool. So all the men would go one side, all the women go other side, and you wouldn't wear any any clothes. You mm-hmm. go naked. And people come over and wash you. Uh, oh. And same in Morocco. Interesting. Uh, people w- would like uh, offer to wash you. So it's like, you know, you've got another man hmm. holding up your arm, cleaning your armpits, wow. cleaning everywhere, basically. Really? Yeah. And um, and you just sit around and, and people would be talking business or talking about family and, and this type of thing. Sure. And it's interesting to see how in Korea now that is dying away because is it? Korea is becoming, they have the most amount of uh, like e-athletes do you know what that is Mm-mm. an electronic athlete so someone who is a professional gamer really they have the highest amount but they're like they're like you know Brazil are number one in soccer yes you know, in the World Cups and stuff Korea are number one in e- how e- interesting in online gaming I did not even know that was a thing yes a yeah. thing oh yeah and now they have uh, online gaming events where they'll fill out a stadium stadium like 80,000 people to watch people play computer games wow yeah and um, so, but what you'll notice is that generation now in Korea are are not going to these, not socialising this way. They're socialising virtually online. Ooh. Yeah, and it's uh, completely different. But um, that's a shame. Yeah. Where's well, that going to go? Well, it's it's. Um, I think this is this is the, how the world is going. I yeah. mean, this is what this is the thing about podcasting. This Sylvia is like as I was mm. saying to you. How often do you sit in front of someone? chat yeah yeah and the thing is you could you can meet someone for five minutes and you can kind of do your back and forth Mm. and the pleasantries the superficial Mm -hmm. stuff but when you actually sit for a long time Mm -hmm. you you get into stuff that you never normally talk about Mm -hmm. you know um and you learn about things about people you never normally would Mm. but and i i actually believe that is why there's such a thirst for sure this type of content not necessarily for me but for anyone mm. is because people hundred thousand years ago would have sat around a campfire telling stories yeah but now they don't do that and i think mm. I, I think this is why yoga is so popular because yes there's loads of online classes and i would hope and you do great on, online yoga classes check out sylvia's website, <laughs> <laughs> website um you do great online yoga classes and i think there is value in that but people like to be around people for sure And it's like what we were saying earlier about the vibe in the yoga space and why sometimes 
it's a value to let it get a little noisy and social and for there to be a bit of spontaneous laughter and, and for that to happen. Because one thing I do find is post yoga, and this goes with classes and teacher training, once we've done a yoga practice, we can't help it. We're naturally more residing in our authentic selves. You know, the small talk is gone at that point, mm -hmm. you know, and the connections are very deep and very real. Mm -hmm. So it's a ripe time for that sense of community mm -hmm. and that we just are all a bit more nicer to each other and that go out of our way to make eye contact or smile or just engage in some tiny way. Mm. I, I think I think that's why I think also with the, the not just the Catholic Church, but also the alcohol industry is uh, not as popular as it once was, mm -hmm. it seems to me. And a great way to get to know someone is to have a few beers with them. Sure. But if you're not in that world, go into something like yoga Mm. You know, if you if you read a poem to someone and they and they just lay down the mat before talking to the class, you read that same poem to them when they're shavasana, they're going to be way more open to yeah. it. You know, yeah. um, and that's what I used to because when I was younger, I used to do a lot of uh, partying and basically like uh, I've talked about this before. It's not, I mean, I used to do things that aren't uh, enjoy yeah. stimulants that you mm -hmm. wouldn't find in a pub. Basically, mm -hmm. let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. And what I loved about it was go to Ibiza, I mean, I've been to Ibiza like four or five times, and you're chatting to someone, you're like, man, like you're looking at them in the eyes, at each other in the eyes, and you're like, this is a real connection. Yeah. And I go into work on a Monday and like, oh, uh, hello, James, how was your weekend? I know. Oh, lovely <laughs> weather we're having, aren't we? Aha, uh -huh, rain again. So I can't do this, man. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm so fake yeah. putting, doing these. And I understand that is, I understand that you can't like, go into work on a Monday morning and, and say to your boss, you know, are you scared of dying alone? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're going to freak him out. You both have to be like, see the game on Saturday? I or, know. And that's, that's fair enough. I, I understand that. Mm. But what I liked about yoga is when I started doing yoga, although there were some things I had resistance to, what I did, like, I'm like, there's loads of weirdos here. Mm. And I feel like I'm a bit of a weirdo. Mm. A bit odd, you know, like, and so uh, this interests me because... I can talk about things with people that I would never normally talk about, but the, the, the what doesn't happen enough is, I or it used to happen is I'd go in, put a mat down, do yoga practice, wouldn't speak to anyone. Sure. And um, But that's okay too, you know? I mean, some people are there to go to yoga to just calm down and chill out and get away from their lives. But if you want to speak to people, I think yeah. it's important. It's to nice to have that opportunity to there. Ha yeah, to yeah. have that opportunity. Um, when you're, I just want to go back to teacher training. When you're training teachers, what do you think is like um, the main thing you want to get across? Or would you say that they pick up from you as a that they maybe get from other people? You know that is mm -hmm. your, um, apart from just being able to actually teach a yoga class, what, mm. do, what do you try and get across to them? One quality I really try to, to convey and to teach them and to help them learn with each other is compassionate listening. Really good listening skills and compassion. It's something that we actively practice quite a bit. Um, we've talked about this earlier, but you know, less of the, I'm the all-knowing authority, I'm the yoga teacher, but more, um, that term that we don't like to use, holding space, you know, just being a good, solid presence in a room for people. Mm. So uh, one thing that I try to teach them ongoing from the moment that they start in teacher training with us is good posture, 
you know, physically, you know, for the physical body. So helping each other with Tadasana, with keeping good alignment as as we flow and cultivating the strength and the awareness in the body to maintain that. But then more so than just your physical presence, kind of, um, I suppose, uh, a vibe, a welcoming aura, you know, just kind of uh, an open expression open body language mm. you know mm. I mean it's elusive and when we see it in somebody we love it <laughs> but the person who just has really good presence is a very comforting person to be around don't mm. you think mm. one thing that was very influential for me this year and it was nothing to do with yoga I went to an acting workshop oh really mm. it's amazing very I loved it yeah Where, whereabouts it was uh, in Temple Bar and it was part of Culture Night so it was one of these free workshops in Culture Night myself and my friend signed up and went we met with an incredible acting coach and essentially she taught us body language as an actor the, the title of the workshop was something like own your voice with more authenticity so I'm like perfect so in we go but um Essentially, she was teaching us yoga, (laughs) Mm. posture, physical presence, but with fluidity and softness, Mm -hmm. you know. So one thing that was very new to me was a kind of Tadasana. I always have to bring everything back to yoga in the physical body. A Tadasana as such in the physical body. But as yogis, when we come into Tadasana, we will engage our bandas. We just kind of do it automatically. But there will be like tone, let's just say, tone there in the physical body, in our Tadasana, as is needed, because we're going to take our bodies through full range of motion. But on the other hand, if you're acting or presenting or even standing in the room as a yoga teacher, you perhaps don't need that much banda action. And what she was teaching us was kind of trust the skeleton of your body to support you, but be way more relaxed in your muscles. So for your voice, having a very relaxed lower belly Mm. is very important. Whereas as yogis, we have Uddiyana Banda, Uddiyana Banda, you know, so that shifted things for me. Interesting. Mm. That's so interesting. Isn't it? Because I'm going to uh, a one day workshop this weekend, uh, this Friday uh, with jerry duffy public speaking one it's like a whole day yeah how cool Uh, this is really good yeah um and so but i think actually an acting workshop is is something that um yeah that that type of thing because when if you're you know you're uptight and okay like this you're speaking from the the, the, your chest it's you're you're basically speaking on an excel as opposed to taking an inhale and speaking from your diaphragm and when your voice can sound a lot more grounded yeah I, it's I, all better it's so better yeah because the people you're speaking to f- feel more relaxed and yeah. and it's funny how you say you're teaching people about their posture right but look we say don't judge people we all judge each other we're human beings when you look at someone you've got to make a snap judgment like sure that's survival instinct and i f- think that posture is something that we subconsciously notice on someone for sure you know? and as you said being more open physically being more open yeah so so before i teach a class i definitely would teach a workshop because i get quite nervous at teaching workshops i go to the bathroom and i like put my arms in the air i can't do it because it's not nice enough room stretch. yeah and I put, it's called a superman okay, superman very pose good. and this one is called wonder woman okay nice. and you do that in front of the mirror and then you it's a bit like a essentially a little mini back bend so that when you're going to class you're more like sure 
hands out as opposed yeah. to hands behind my back like an authority which which mm. you'll put your hands behind your back sometimes you don't know what to do with your hands but then you look like a, a school teacher uh, mm-hmm. like a um, headmaster mm-hmm. to be like right okay do this do that mm. um so that but being more uh yeah a little bit more relaxed through it all. It's so hard, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Especially if you're a bit nervous. You're nervous. Yeah. Because you're, because when you're nervous, you speak quicker and higher. Yeah. But that makes people feel unsettled. It's all a bit tense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And and what Jerry actually told me before, because he's a guest on this podcast, um, he's a few months ago, was before he starts speaking, he doesn't say anything. All right. So what he'll do is he'll go into a room. And it'll be like this. And just wait. Yeah, nice. Mm. Look look around. Mm. And then people are like, what's he going to say? And then he'll start speaking. Mm. But he'll purposely slow it down. Silence. Yeah. yeah, Purposely slow it down at the start. And then that has people like, what's he going to say next? Mm. Changes the volume of how he's speaking, the Mm. pitch, the tone. Um, And and, and another thing he talked about is he goes down at the end. Mm. Not down at the end. Mm. down intonation i finished speaking now mm-hmm. yeah like, loads of little tips there loads of, oh, there's, yeah. the, there's tons um and if you, if you think about like the the, the some of the most uh, influential people in the world are the ones that can communicate the best sure. but not just obviously speaking but mm. uh, as you said also like um practicing compassionate listening mm. um is there any because this is something I'm working on today. <laughs> but I, I, I said to you at the start before we started recording that like one thing I'm working on is trying to speak less and obviously it's not really working <laughs> that, that well. But um, so um, what would you say is like um, a good, any methods or tips about compassionate listening? I think we both have a course ahead of us in compassionate listening. I think it's that huge. Yeah, that like there's oh, really? a course out there and I haven't researched it yet. Oh, okay. It was one uh it was one week, maybe week two of the MBSR course that I did. Okay. Uh so just to remind you that's two and a half hours in a classroom environment with your teacher. Yeah. And then uh homework every day for the following seven days, forty minutes homework. You know, so it's quite quite a big volume of work. And and week two we did a compassionate listening. We all loved it. It was one of our favourite modules of the course. But our teacher said that she has gone on to study, I'm not sure exactly what course, but some kind of mindfulness-based compassionate listening. And for her, it was the life changer for Mm -hmm. her. Because in compassionate listening, we're not just trying to be better communicators, we're also becoming better at listening to ourselves. So back to that again. And becoming better at sitting with the noise inside our own heads and being compassionate with what arises there. Mm. So it's all back to the self-practice that we, we need to do on an ongoing basis. Mm. But I know that there's so much really, really good material out there in compassionate listening. I feel it's something that we will study more mm. in again and again and again. In yoga teaching? Yeah, well, yeah. well mm. you know, people like you and I who are just interested in this stuff, it's mm. going to be coming up more and more for us, which is great. Because I, 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 people want to be heard. And mm-hmm. when I do a workshop, even a teacher training, I always send feedback forms. Mm-hmm. What did you like? What did you not mm-hmm. like? What can I do differently? Mm-hmm. Um, and s- people want to feel like they have some sort of input. There's a thing called the IKEA effect. Mm-hmm. There's a study that was done by a psychologist. And I th- believe it's called the IKEA effect. And they essentially got two groups of people. Mm-hmm. And they said, right, 
here is, I mean, this is an Ikea table, for example. Mm -hmm. This is a table. How much do you think this table is worth? And they would say 100 euro. Mm. And then they got people to get in the parts of the table to put the table together. How much is the table worth? And they'd actually say it was worth more if they did the labor. Wow. Which, which is crazy to think that they actually did yeah. the labor, they did sure. the work, but they valued it more. Yeah. So when people know that sure. they have input, they have, they feel more more valued. Yes. But I I feel like when you're doing just teaching public classes or just mm -hmm. teaching classes, it's one way. You're in the yeah, very much. do this, do that. Yeah. Everyone's copying. It's very unusual for someone to speak to you during a class. Be like, oh, yeah. can I ask a question? It doesn't really happen. Rarely. Yeah. Yeah. And. Then when you find yourself in a teach training environment, people are asking you questions mm. and it's a completely different skill yeah. to be like, right, how do I <laughs> manage this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. You know. And if I don't know the answer, how do I manage it then? Because yeah. you know? yeah, yeah. if I don't know the answer, I'll say, hmm, and I'll wait for something. What do you think? Yeah, <laughs> open <laughs> it up to the group. Because we were yeah. talking about Tantra uh, last last week and it was someone asked a really great question around, around Tantra, uh, masculine feminine energy. I didn't know the answer, mm -hmm. but then someone who who studied tantra cool. to, in India, yeah. um, knew about it. So I was able to kind Amazing. of bring them into it. We get so much from our students, don't we? Unbelievable. Yeah. Whereas I think if I was maybe younger, I I, I would have been like, oh no, uh -oh. I failed. Yeah. Uh oh. Yeah. I'm supposed to know everything, and there's so much to know. Mm. There's no way we can. Isn't that one thing about being a yoga teacher and a yoga teacher trainer? The more we know, the more we realize how vast it all is <laughs> and how, how much there is yet to know, yeah. which is great. It's very humbling. Mm. Yeah, so true. Mm. Um, okay, d d d the, the MBSR, you th you've done that course, but did you say that next you're doing a, a mindfulness master's? Mm. Yeah. Is, is that like hope. Mm -hmm. <coughs> signed, sealed, or you like, is that confirmed? Not, well, mm, uh, yeah, almost, mm. almost. Where, where yeah. would that be? I'm on the journey. It's in UCD. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's a two-year part-time course. Mm. So for year one, you fully immerse yourself in the MBS or as a participant. There is an obligation to have a daily meditation practice. And as far as I recall, it's 30 minutes twice a day. For the two years, I know. And you work with a tutor to support you on that journey, so you can't hide. <laughs> mm, yeah. If you don't show up for your practice, you have to talk to your tutor about why you're not showing up for yourself. Right. So, you know, it's very much owning your own journey in all of this. There'll be a lot of journaling, essay writing, and exploratory work. And then in year two, you present the course. You start to teach and you get monitored on that and assessed on that right okay mm. and is that um over the two years you're still gonna i mean it's part time. it's part time yeah okay it's part time i, I gather it's very manageable i have uh, a few quite a few friends who have done it as yoga oh. teachers mm. is that the one that um um oh god his name he's a yoga teacher at yoga hub um Con, con, con. Is that one Con did? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Con. con. Great. Shout out to Con. I love Con. Yeah, Con's um, a winner. Yeah, Con's a great voice as well. Yes, and great presence, you see. Yeah. The presence again. The yeah. presence. You know, Con stands like somebody who owns his own space. Yeah, he does. Doesn't he? he? Yeah. And he has that nice kind of gentle, relaxed fluidity about everything he does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also as well, is interesting about Con is that... Um, 
that he's like a kind of looks like a rugby guy, mm-hmm. you know, and yet he's into mindfulness. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's really interesting when you meet people who are like, have the have two characteristics that seem that. like they don't want to go yeah, together. Love that. Stephen Fry was talking about this how, um, you know, you can when he was he studied you know he studied at Oxford and he was saying how uh, I believe it was Oxford maybe it was Cambridge but Stephen Fry he's if you don't know who Stephen Fry is come on I mean he's, <laughs> he's like a national treasure in England he's um an in, he's an intellectual but he's yeah he's very funny as well yeah. um but he was talking about how like often we feel like you're either an athlete or you're a, a thinker. You c- in, to mm. have the two together is kind of unusual. Mm. But, but I think sometimes we, we um, I know I you pigeonhole people to be like, oh, you're this type of mm. person. You're mm. a jock, therefore you don't have that mm. other side of you. But... Mm. Um, but um, yeah, so it's the course that that Con did. Okay, that's that's mm. interesting, and that is that is a, a, a big commitment. Um, mm. Is so when you're done, when you've done that, what what do you hope to do with that from there? Or I it, don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's not you know. I, I don't have a clear path through life, and I never did. I'm not <laughs> one of these. I'm going to be this by this. So it, yeah, I'm going to continue to meander through life, and it's just going to be there. Yeah, with me, supporting me. Yeah. Okay, but um, you know, just back to what you were saying about the that this kind of um, you're either an intellect or 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 a jock, and I I I think that's changing a lot now, and and I'm observing this more in my capacity back out in the corporate world teaching meditation, and I also had the opportunity this year to work with a team of elite athletes who would not naturally you would associate with yoga and meditation and mindfulness. But I think what's happening now is that we're all recognizing how important meditation, yoga and mindfulness is in in the package of what you're doing on a daily basis. And the people who are high achievers, whether it's in the business world or in the sports world, more than anyone, they're getting this, you know, they're Mm kind of receptive. And if you're really good at what you do, you know, if you're really skilled and really committed to, say, playing football, then it's not that difficult for you to apply yourself to the skill mm. of learning meditation. Mm. You know, so people who are in that kind of headspace of I, I want to, I want, I'm, you know, I'm achieving, I'm in this high achieving space. They're, they're ripe for learning meditation and mindfulness. Mm. They're eager, they're with you, they're open. The neural pathways are fired up. You know, they're ready to learn. Mm. They're like sponges. Yeah. It's like teaching kids. Because so they're constantly looking to develop. Eager, they? eager, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a great space to be in, and and plus, finally, now we all recognise how important it is. You know, I think there used to be a perception, oh, you know, that type of stuff takes you away from your goals. You're stepping back. Mm-hmm. You know, you're kind of backing away from your high achieving life. Whereas now, people are like, no, this is propelling me forward. Mm-hmm. On yeah. my life. Look at some of the best athletes. They have psychologists that they work with who like teach them how to think, you know, sure. think that away. Yeah. Which makes a hu- huge difference. Mm-hmm. That's what gives them the edge. Um, mm-hmm. But um, no, that's absolutely fascinating. Uh, w- are you thinking of, as I mentioned, you've got a very good, nice voice. Uh, and uh, I know you said you, you didn't plan on starting a podcast, but, um, <coughs> and I mentioned this at the start, I don't know if we were recording when I said it, but um, you can do like the audio class as well and you could do audio mm. mindfulness classes because sure. you don't need to see people doing yeah, that yeah, and yeah. I think that that can be really uh, beneficial because some people will say oh these um, apps that um, what they call headspace apps yeah, yeah. aren't mindful because you know you happen to use a phone but if yeah. it gets you starting yeah. yeah for sure that's the way it look which we yeah. can't we cannot um 
detach from technology now. Sure. We've got to integrate it. That, that's yeah. the, uh, you can if you want, but yeah. good luck if you yeah. want to go somewhere and be a farmer. Uh, uh, it, good luck with that. Because sure. It's, I don't think that's a, a, a wise path to go down. Yeah. Um, I used to work in AI, AI, artificial intelligence. That was my job before I taught yoga. Really? And I realized that this, what they call singularity, uh, uh -huh. or transhumanism, uh -huh. is uh, inevitable. So yeah. um, as long as they don't have robot yoga teachers, <laughs> we'll be all right. Yeah. But um, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> Not within our lifetime. But um, so, uh, Sylvia, we're, we're an hour. Oh, uh, wow. We How are. does that happen? Blink. We're having fun. Oh, um, no. So um, what is, if people want to know more about you, where'd they go? My website is sylviayoga.com. And I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well. I think I'm Sylvia Ferguson Yoga on yeah. both. But I'm kind of easy enough to find Sylvia Yoga. With a Y. With a Y. Yeah. yeah. And you do online classes, you do treats, you do teacher training, mm -hmm. you teach cl classes. Uh-huh. Out in the community, I do, yeah. Workshops? I'm doing my uh, workshops, yeah. I teach a local workshop monthly. Um, and I'll be in Yoga Hub as well, doing yo workshops in the new year. I kind of tip in and out of Yoga Hub for workshops as well. Yeah. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. I hope to get you on again in 2020. Thanks, Kat. I'd love that. Future. Yeah, <laughs> so far away. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much. Great, thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Sylvia. Hasn't she got a great voice as well? Do you remember Mar Mariella Frostrop from back in the day, back in like early 90s? She had this kind of raspy English voice, but Sylvia's like the Irish Mariella Frostrop. I love saying that word, Frostrop. I think I'm saying it right. Thank you, yeah, for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes, share it with a friend. This podcast was supported by and sponsored by Small Changes, making a big difference. Your local, organic, eco-friendly store here in Dublin. No online offering, just go down there, maybe buy some produce. Look after yourself, look after the environment. Thank you, as always, for taking the time out to listen and maybe... Give it a go watching the episode next time. If you've got a YouTube account, which I'm, or you have access to YouTube via the World Wide Web, you can watch these podcasts and start to see what goes on behind the scenes. If you have any questions, let me know. I'm going to start making these way more interactive. Thanks so much, everyone, who do send in questions. And uh, big things for 2020. You've got a couple more episodes to finish off the year. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much. Have a good one. Look after yourself. Till next time. Bye-bye.